Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, weekly meditations, readings, and blessings to assist with our rest, peace, and spiritual wellness. You can find out more at LuminousAnglican.com. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Let me start by apologizing. I was supposed to be here on time, uh, but I thought I had it in my mind for some reason it was 10.30, though Father Chad had told me it was 10. He was right, and I didn't pay attention, Um, which uh, is already a lesson in itself, uh, which I give to you. Uh, Sometimes we learn from people's strengths, and sometimes we learn from their weaknesses. (laughs) So... Let us be attentive. I, by the way, the, the, I always liked the Orthodox liturgy. I just didn't have a deep enough voice to be an Orthodox priest. But in it, it starts off, you know, with the, with the priest coming out and saying, Let us attend, uh, which we all should do, uh, which I would have missed this morning. I wouldn't have attended. I wouldn't have been here in time to have attended. I want to talk to you about Paul Mars Hill. Uh, and uh, uh, I want to do that uh, because it connects with a part of my own journey. Uh, I uh, was born in the first part of my life raised in southern West Virginia in coal country. Uh, my ancestors had been there since before the Revolutionary War, long roots in that area in Appalachia, America's uh, largest uh, reservation. Uh, and um, Uh, There's lots about that heritage uh, that I could go into. I don't have time. Uh, But one thing is, like, uh, I I was raised in churches like this where people sang and worshiped the Lord. uh, And uh, it it was uh, poverty, though we didn't know it was poverty because we had nothing to compare it to. Uh, And uh, um, in our particular worship services, it was both black and white, so we had kind of uh, two versions of almost every song, depending on the rhythm used and so forth. And I have those kind of heritages kind of mixed. Uh, later on, uh, my parents became missionaries in South America, and so as a teenager, uh, I went there, and I, I didn't live in this country for a substantial amount of time again until age 31. But I had a stopping off point, several stopping off points, you know, different countries that we lived in and, and, were, and uh, worked in. But uh, the last stint was in Montreal. And I went there actually to start a Spanish-speaking church uh, because there's a lot of Spanish-speaking people there in Montreal, but, uh, you know, they needed a French-speaking church. And so I, we learned another language. It's required by the government. They give you classes and all that. and so. Uh, I, uh, um, I had a French-speaking congregation there, which was maddening. Because as it turned out, uh, all my previous iterations of pastoring had been with people who ask almost no questions. You just say, uh, you, you do this and you don't do that, and they're like, okay, and that's what they did or didn't do, right? Because they honored the pastor, honored the Word of God, and they were God-fearing people. The French are not, they don't honor God or anybody else. They just, uh, they have questions. And, and they quoted people I didn't know 
Voltaire, uh, you know, uh, Rousseau. Uh, uh, the perversity among the French has been deeply rooted for a long, long time of this questioning everybody. Uh, so, you know, polite enough, but it's like, says who? I mean, why? This just doesn't make sense. This is not logical. Can you explain this to me? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, and uh, so I decided I need to go back to school. And I began a career, and I've been in school since until just a few short years ago. I did finally pay off my school loans by the grace of God. Uh, so Montreal was my Mars Hill. Well, the Apostle Paul did not come from kind of deprived background. He, he was well prepared. He was a, was a smart man. I don't know when I started, so you have to tell Okay. But he did come from a, a very narrow spectrum of humanity, namely uh, Orthodox Judaism. So when he came to Athens, the cultural center of the Western world since the beginning, and he began to walk through the streets there of Athens, and then he came to Mars Hill, all around the Pantheon, Parthenon rather, and uh, uh, all those buildings were so beautiful and wonderful and been there for centuries already. He began to pass stall after stall to various gods. Dionysus, uh, uh, Athena, uh, all the different gods, right? Uh, and there was incense, an offering being, and they had vending machines, by the way. Uh, they, the ancient world had vending machines. They had lots of things. In fact, it wasn't until about uh, the 1790s till only in the major cities in the Western world that uh, life got back up to the level that uh, St. Paul knew. Civilization is fragile. It takes a long time sometimes to rebuild when it goes away. So they had vending machines, which is a, a mark of very high civilization. And, and, they, and they mostly were in, in places of worship, so you could put your money in, your offering, and out would come some little token of religious thing that had been blessed by somebody for some reason, right? So this is all going on, all this stuff all around, all around. And so St. Luke says, Paul was vexed. Now, he has a short fuse. We know Paul. I mean, we love Paul. He, we appreciate him. He writes a lot of the New Testament. We love him. But we, all, we also know he's not somebody we, we would like him in short dosages, we want to hear him speak and then him go away, right? Uh, this, this is a hard guy to live with. He was vexed. I mean, he was ticked, right? So going around and he, what's he ticked about? They're not doing it right. I've got to set this straight. I, I'm a man of God. They don't, they're dishonoring God. This is like, this is atrocious. Somebody needs to take a stand. All this is raging in him. But fortunately, by this time, he's far enough along in his journey with Jesus that he decides that's not a good idea. So he's vexed, but he's holding it down. And then he gets to the place, where it, uh, to the uh, altar of the unknown God. And this is where he encounters what we now call a redemptive analogy. Uh, let me explain that to you. Don Richardson wrote a book called The Peace Child. It's one of the most wonderful books that you could ever read. I've met Don Richardson, he's a wonderful person. He was a missionary in New Guinea. Uh, among a tribe that had been uh, headhunters and cannibals uh, just uh, a few generations before. 
And he tried to teach them Jesus. He'd been there for years. He had learned all kinds of stuff. They weren't interested. And in fact, when they finally understood the story, they liked the story, but their hero was Judas because the culture, their culture was uh, deceptive people and cunning people that could outwit everybody else and, and, and leave all the other suckers in the dust. They, that was the hero, sort of like our culture. Uh, uh, and he was trying to teach Jesus uh, to this culture, and they, they were preferring Judas because Judas uh, also had been, I mean, Jesus kind of looked like a schmuck in this kind of story, in this kind of framework, because he lost, right? He lost, he lost. He was kind of a loser. And um, then a war broke out with another tribe. And so this is going to be bad. You know, they've, they've got all kinds of dozens or a hundred or so in these little villages, and they're going to just kill each other. And he's trying to argue with them. He's getting nowhere, Don Richardson. He's a foreigner, and they, they tolerate him living there. And then something happens. A chief from the other tribe comes out carrying a baby, and everything goes quiet. And everybody puts their weapons down. And there's a, there's a mom crying, and somebody's restraining them. They're like, oh, no, they're going to kill this baby. But then he sees that his chief from his village go out and open his arms and receive the child. There's some bowing. The people sing something, and everybody goes away. And the war stops. And he said, he tried to get some understanding. What is that? Well, they gave us the peace job. What's the peace child? Well, now it's going to be an honored person in our, have, in our tribe. We're going to take care of him all the rest of his life. And we said, we, what's he going to do? He doesn't have to do anything. He's just honored. He's a, he's a symbol of the holy, you know. And so he said, well, what if somebody would harm the peace child? I'm like, nobody would ever harm a peace child. He said, what if somebody would kill a peace child? And they were like, oh, oh. You know, there would, be, there would be all kinds of plagues and so forth, and they're explaining. So now he tells the story of Jesus. God was at war with humanity and sent the peace child, and we have killed the peace child. And when he said that, the people started beating themselves and falling down. They would not be consoled. Like, well, the heavens are going to open. We'll all be destroyed. And, he's, and he said, yeah, but God's forgiven us. All we have to do is to say we're sorry. And I'm like, oh, well, we really are sorry. So he, he began to develop this kind of sense of redemptive analogy. When you're among people that do not know the gospel, it doesn't help to yell and scream and to repeat the morals and ethics of the gospel louder. And I would like to leave with you, Luminous, that we're all Paul in Mars Hill now. Our culture has changed and turned a page our witness is still uh, valuable and will still be accepted, but we are not in Israel demanding that people follow the ways of God. It, we are at Mars Hill. The Apostle Paul knew his moments and knew his place despite his natural inclination to set the people straight. How could he have set the people straight? They didn't even have a Bible. They didn't have any knowledge. What would he set them straight about? He says, I know you've been yearning 
and you're groping. But he said, that's why God is easy to be found. You just have to grope after him, but he's not far. He's close to every one of us. Paul was not saying he's close to every one of us Jews that know the gospel well. He's saying he's not far from any of us. People that worship Athena, people that are selling this religious stuff, he's yearning to be close to all of us. Paul later would call this the ministry of reconciliation. He began to learn. So when he, reads, when he writes Romans 1, he says, I am a debtor to the Jew, to the Greek, to the wise, to the barbarian. There are moments in history to where I think um, the church has been blind. And so it continues to do what worked 30 years ago. And then there's another group that says, well, what happened 30 years ago doesn't work, so let's tweak it. But they tweak the wrong things and leave out the wrong things. But what always needed when society changes as ours has changed is love for everybody. Love never fails. That's the same guy that also was at Mars Hill that said that. It wasn't his natural self, Paul. 1 Corinthians 13 is not, is not the Paul we know and love. It was that moment of transcendent grace to where something poured through him that was beyond him that he knew was right and he was reaching. I haven't yet obtained, but I'm reaching for it. I'm trying to get there. Love never fails. Where there's going to be, where there's tongues, they'll fail. Where there's prophecy, they'll fail. Where there's, but love never fails. It, 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 it endures all things. And, and he goes on and on with this. And he's just in rapture about what he has just seen. And it's, of course, as the Apostle John said, love is God himself. He who loves knows God, for God is love. It's not a cheap kind of love that says there's no truth. Paul didn't say, you're fine worshiping Athena, just go right ahead, this is cool, I'll come in, I'll join you. He doesn't say that, but he does say God's not far from any of us. Our culture here, particularly Middle Tennessee, needs a church like this that's willing to be like Paul and Marcel. Most of us have been raised in churches to where we know the truth and we are told to take a stand for the truth and set people straight. And when they're going off of the, the straight and narrow to tell them, you know, set them, tell them, set things right. Well, it doesn't work. It's just making people mad. So all, obviously the only conclusion is they're just wanting to go to hell. They're just determined to go to hell no matter what we say. But there's another path. And that is, Lord, even though maybe I've lived here my whole life, the times have changed, and in a way, I'm in another place. I'm not in Jerusalem anymore. I'm in Athens. I'm in Mars Hill. And the people around me, they don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm talking another language. What do I do out of love and grace? Let me conclude with, from the gospel reading and also... Uh, one of the, re the readings from uh, Epistle uh, of John that we didn't read uh, today in today's reading. It's about character. 
It's about living right. The church in America has lost its right to speak into the moral, morals and the ethics of our culture because it neither lives that itself nor, and it, and it applies it very selectively. We find ways to approve of characters that are far from the life of Christ and we find ways of demeaning those that are not and it just based on very little except what we like and don't like. And then there again, there's another way. And that, that way is to ourselves determined to be people of character. To be people of love and people of character. To tell the truth. To treat people fairly. All the stuff that we know in kindergarten. But we need to do it because it's getting more and more rare for a person to just say what they mean, mean what they say, and do it in love. And be dependable. Living right and loving builds a bridge. That's what Paul did. Okay, you're there and I'm here. I want to introduce Christ to you. How can I build a bridge that you can walk on? First, by acknowledging God's where you're at and he's where I'm at. He's not far from either one of us. And I have something I'd like to share. They didn't get it. You go on and read the text and they thought that he was introducing a God named Anastasis since it's in the in the Greek text, it means the resurrection. They actually thought the resurrection was the God, and they were trying to figure it all out. But he did establish a church there, and it's still there. Amen. If you would like more information or ways to be a part of Luminous, please go to luminousanglican.com. Peace be with you.